And the title of today's message is How to Come Through the Fire Without Smelling of Smoke. Do I need to say that again? Can I say it again? I quite liked it. I thought it was quite catchy. How to Come Through the Fire Without Smelling of Smoke. And as I was reading through the book of Daniel as well, um, this, this incident of the three Hebrew youths and the fiery furnace, really, there was something about that really caught uh, my attention. And so I'm going to just spend a little bit of time on that today. Um, was anybody out on, on bonfire night? Was, was anybody at a, a display or around a bonfire? Or anything like that? I was. Anybody else? There's quite a few people, I know. Yeah, because some people, some of the young people were at my house. Um, and have you noticed that even if you try not to, you can try, 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 try your hardest, when you're around a bonfire, everything stinks of smoke, doesn't it? Everything stinks of smoke. Thank you, Martin. Is that distracting you? Your clothes stink of smoke. Your hair stinks of smoke. And the only thing you can do is to get the clothes in the wash and to go in for a shower. That's the only thing we can do. And, uh, you know, this whole thing, that when I read this story in Daniel, as I was thinking about bonfire night, and uh, I could tell you a few stories about fires, by the way. I really loved starting fires when I was young. In fact, I still do. Um, but it made me think about life's experiences. The things that we go through are like... They can be like a fire. They can be like the fiery furnace that the three Hebrew youths were thrown into. And we'll come to talk about that in a minute. All sorts of things. And they have an effect on us. Things like, I mean, we can go through things like redundancy or losing a loved one. Or we can have arguments and fallouts with people. There can be temptations that we're battling. Sometimes we give in to temptation and we've got to confess and get our life right with God again. You know, it's an endless list of things which we can go through, and they're like fires in our life. But as Christians, we need to think about how we can, can come through the fire without smelling of smoke. Because that's what I think the three Hebrew youths did. They came through the fire without smelling of smoke. That was a picture from Bonfire Night. I miss, I'm behind my slides. Um, you know, there's some things that people don't really get about the Christian faith, if I can say this. And I think our world struggles to understand the whole concept of forgiveness. You think about what I said earlier, just a few seconds ago, about the only way to sort yourself out is to get the clothes in the washing machine and to go in for a shower. That's the only thing you can do. And Jesus does something similar with us. He gives us the opportunity to be washed clean from all the stuff that's happened in our lives in the past. And he, the Bible tells us that he puts, us, puts a new set of robes on us. He talks about a robe of righteousness. We're clothed with spiritual clothes. We need to get, try and get that analogy. And God's able to make us clean. It doesn't matter what we've done who we are, God is able to give us a fresh start. And that's the thing that I think our world struggles to get, because our world is always screaming for justice. I wonder where they got that from. Is God a God of justice? Yes, He is. Is God made in man's image? Yes, He is. 
male and female. He created them in his image. Therefore, we have an innate sense of justice because God is a God of justice. And our world screams out for justice sometimes, especially, I think these days, especially when it's our children, something's happening to our kids. The world screams out for justice. This shouldn't happen. And anybody who's in that position of having hurt a child is vilified. And I just kind of think, even that person, if they come to Jesus and if they recognize what they've done can be forgiven, can be made clean, can be given a robe of righteousness. And this is something that we need to understand that God can do for us. But we need to think about how we can come through the fire without smelling of smoke. All the situations, all the stuff of life, how do we come through that without smelling of smoke? And my time is really rapidly running away here. So um, we're going to uh, go into Daniel chapter 3, and we'll start at verse 6. The story is that Nebuchadnezzar had this dream about the golden image and head of gold, breastplate of silver, so on and so forth. He actually creates an image of gold. He sets it up in a plane, and he says, when you hear the music, everybody needs to bow down and worship my statue. I think Sam's spoke on this a few weeks ago. What you worship is really important. So he had given them these instructions, and it says, therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language, this is verse 7, fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This was his command. When you hear the music, everybody needs to worship this statue. And at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set in order over the affairs of of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? That's fighting talk. But the king has an overinflated opinion of himself and his own power and authority. He's not met God yet. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. 
if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and He will rescue us from your hand, O King. That sounds like faith speaking to me. But listen to verse 18. But even if He does not, we want you to know, O King, and I'm quite sure they said this very respectfully, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then, <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar was furious, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual, and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went willingly? It says here that they had to be manhandled into the furnace. I'm quite sure if it was you and I, we'd not be too content to go willingly. You might say, well, God can rescue me, and even if he doesn't, but I'm not going to walk in there myself. And it's like that with the fires of life, the circumstances. You say, I know that God can deliver me from this, and I know that he can rescue me, but even, even if he doesn't, even if I need to walk through this, I'm going to remain faithful to him. We don't choose to walk into difficulties in life, do we? None of us want to walk into difficulties in life. But the reality is that for all of us, we face trials, we face fires. Verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. Where's my picture? I must have forgot to change my, my slides. doesn't matter. We'll come to that. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Now they decided they would walk out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Imagine, just try and imagine this. You've been thrown in all bound and tied up and all your clothes on, blah, blah, blah. And here they are standing in the fire. The fire's burnt off the, the ropes that were holding them there. And they're standing in the middle of the fire. Can you imagine this? Standing in the middle of a fire, not on their own, but with a fourth person standing next to them. Nebuchadnezzar said he looks like a son of the gods. So out they come. And the satraps, prefects, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. 
What an incredible detail to be recorded for us 26 centuries later. Reading it about an event that happened all these years ago. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and, defi- excuse me, and defied the king's coming and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. Oh, joy. God doesn't force us to worship him. Have you noticed that? He gives us the choice. He gives us free will. This is a king who's speaking. And their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Incredible. They, you know, not a mark on them. They didn't even have the smell of the fire on them. You know, I, I wondered, how did, how, did they, how did Daniel and uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, let's give them their Jewish names, how did these four men have the strength to stand in this moment? I was curious about that. And so I went back into an essay I wrote many, many years ago for my distance learning about the kings of Israel. And who was king in their day? A man called Josiah, who was a good king and who ruled for 31 years in Judah. And during Josiah's reign, the words of God were found, rediscovered in the temple, and Josiah began to read them, and he began to put into practice the word of God. And these young men grew up under the leadership of a godly king. And I'll tell you, it tells me that we need leaders in our country who are going to be godly, righteous leaders Because what grows under godly and righteous leadership has character and health and strength. And I wanted to think a little bit about how we come through the fire without smelling of smoke. And there were three things which I just kind of saw as I thought about these young men and how they lived their lives. Those three things are their character, their conviction, and their courage. And I want us us to just think a wee bit for those, about these three things this morning, their character, their conviction, and their courage. We will start off with character. And character, this, this slide that I kind of pinched from a guy this week called Stephen Matthews. Uh, so some of the content in this slide is, is borrowed, um, but I'm sure you'll forgive me for that. Nobody has a monopoly on knowledge and wisdom. And the first thing that we think about is their character. And character is formed out of two things, integrity and intent. Character is formed in the crucible of adversity. Character is always being developed. We're in a process. Christianity isn't an event. It isn't the moment that you made that decision to come and follow Jesus, but that's where it starts. Christianity is a process where God calls us to walk through sometimes difficult situations. Sometimes it's like a fire and we would rather not be in it, but God develops this thing called character within us. Integrity is a kind of inherent strength. It's a wholeness 
of a person. You know, we talk about unity and division. If we are not, if we don't have that going on inside of us, we need to be at peace with ourselves. We need to be in unity with ourselves. If we're like the man that James talks about, the double-minded, one minute I've got faith, the next minute I'm in despair, the next minute I've got faith again, the next minute I'm despair, that's not integrity. That's getting blown around like a, a, a ship on the, the sea. A person of integrity is at one with themselves. There is a wholeness. We talk about somebody being well-rounded. And there's a moral standard at the heart of a person who has integrity. You know, we're just talking about this coming down in the car from the Global Leadership Summit yesterday in Aberdeen, about how we perceive right and wrong. What is the moral standard? Who ultimately is right and who's wrong? And if you don't believe in a, an almighty, just creator God, where does your sense of right and wrong come from? Is it just from what comes in, what comes from within ourselves? Because if that's the case, who's to say you're right and I'm wrong and vice versa? I much prefer the idea that there is a God who's wiser than I am, that is just, moral, forgiving, loving, and is able to get alongside of me and help me to be the person in this world that can bring something that's good. This is what they said, men of integrity, but even if he does not, even if God doesn't deliver us from this furnace, we want you to know, O King, that there's no division in us. We are firm on what we believe. Not just me and my two buddies here. I'm not speaking for them. We are together in this. Three boys, young men, <coughs> dare I say it, a Daniel Connect group. These guys were together. They had fellowship. They supported each other. They prayed together. They were with each other. And they said together, we are not going to worship your image. Let me tell you something. that integrity will always be tested. Your integrity will always be tested. If you live in this world, and we all do, your integrity will be tested. And let me remind each and every one of us that there are people looking on to see what we'll do when we go through the fire. Are we going to bow down and worship the idol, or are we going to stick to our guns and say, sorry, I'm a Christian, I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that. Your integrity will always be tested. These qualities are qualities of a person with integrity, somebody who is honest. Do you think God puts you into the big test first? Does he give you the big hard test first? I think if I was in school and the teacher was really, really mean, the teacher would say, I'm going to give you the big test before I've taught you anything, just to see how good you are. <laughs> and you get 0%. Do you think that would be fair? It wouldn't be fair. We don't want people to be tested beyond what they can bear. And the Bible tells us that that's how God treats us. But he does test us in the small things first. He wants to see if we're going to be honest. Humility. Being fair. 
being real with people, being thankful. A person of integrity has these qualities, and these qualities will be tested. And let me tell you, they won't just be tested in your workplace where there are people who don't know Jesus. They'll be tested in the church as well. One of the character issues that I heard about last Sunday night, we went up to rekindle to uh, visit Ron and Kerry. Uh, Ray Stokes had been over, and uh, we just wanted to go up and say hi. And uh, I was talking to another uh, minister there when I was up at Rekindle, and I'd been telling him about my sabbatical, and he was telling me about some of his experiences in a church that he'd went to, where the church had a big problem with gossip. And he says, this is what the church did. They introduced a thing called the five-day rule, and it was something that was brought into the church, so that if you were talking about somebody else to another person, not that person, and you were gossiping, the person was allowed to say to you, have you told such and such yet? Uh, no. Well, you've got five days to do it, or I will. The gossip levels in the church began to drop. Why should we have to do things like that to do what the Bible tells us we should be doing? A person of character as a person of integrity. And there's also our intent. It's our determination to act in a certain way. It's the why behind the what of your life and my life. And are we people of compassion? What is our attitude like? What is our motivation for doing the things that we do? Let me tell you, about another man we read in the Bible. We've talked about Jesus this morning. It tells us in Luke chapter 252 that Jesus grew in wisdom. These things that we're talking about here, he grew in stature. I often wonder what height Jesus was. It'd be quite interesting to know just if it was he tall, was he short? I don't know. Um, but it also says that he grew in favor with God and with other people. He was a man of integrity. As much as they tried to find fault with him, they couldn't. He was also a man of intent. He knew the why behind the what of his life. I wonder, do you know the why behind the what of your life? Do you know why God has put you on the planet? God has a plan and purpose for each and every one of you. Do you know what it is? If you don't, we, you need to begin to find out. Jesus was a man who knew his why. When his mum and dad came back to find him. They'd been separated for three days. They came back and they found him and he's like, what's the big deal? Didn't you know I was supposed to be here doing my father's business? Why? The why behind his life. Jesus' why was because he saw you and he saw me. Character is always tested. Our integrity will be tested. Our intent might even be misunderstood sometimes. But these young men were not just young men of character, they were also young men of conviction. And conviction is made up of two things, our beliefs and our values. Proverbs chapter 23, 7, it has this little expression, I've just taken the expression out, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Talking about a person, as he thinks in his heart, so is the, the person. 
What are our convictions? What are our beliefs? You see, I think beliefs are our firmly held views of what the world is like. And we might have had those beliefs for a long time. We all have beliefs. I remember Richard Dawkins being questioned by, uh, his name just went in my head, John Lennox, about what he believed in. They were having a debate on, on kind of God and science, evolution, blah, 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 all that stuff. And uh, he says, well, that's what you believe. And he says, I don't believe this. This is fact. And, and, he's, and he challenged him. He says, well, don't you believe it? He says, yeah, I do. Well, uh, it's still a belief. We all have beliefs. We all have beliefs. And our, our beliefs can change. Did you know that? Our beliefs can change. As we receive new information, we go, ah, I didn't know that. I didn't think about that. It's how people become Christians. New information we call it revelation. <laughs> they get new information and they go, ah, why have I never believed this all my life? That's so obvious. But it works the other way as well. It's people who profess to be Christians and, and turn away from God. And one of the core beliefs of these three boys was a belief in a God who can. The God we serve is able. We read it in verse 14. And why were they able to say this? I think it's because God had, amongst many other things, God had already saved them. Because you remember when Nebuchadnezzar got the dream, and nobody could, he says, you need to tell me what the dream is, and you need to interpret it. Two things. And they all went, how can this be possible? Nobody can do that. But Daniel says, we need to go away and pray, because we're all in for the chop. This is what it says in Daniel 2.18. He urged them to plead for mercy from God, for the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And they, Daniel was given the revelation and he shared it with the king. And these young men were spared and they were promoted. The things that we believe are really, really important because they inform our choices and decisions. I need to move quickly. Our values... Um, sorry, I'm giving away my talk for those who are watching the presentation. I hate it when it doesn't work. Okay. I need a new clicker that works. We've went too far back. Sorry, this is a total distraction. This is not how technology is supposed to work. Our core values are those things which we will never violate. We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold. What are your core values and what are they based on? What are those things that are in your life that you say, I will never deviate from this ever? This is a core value in my life. Like these young men, we can't. We can't, how, how, can, how can we possibly stand here and listen to this music and bow down before something that we don't even, God has told us we can't do this. There's a, a core conviction in these young men that says, you can't do this. You can't do this. And I kind of think in our world today, what are our core values based on? Increasingly, 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 they're based on nonsense. But these young men, their core values were based on 
that which Josiah found in the temple, the word of God which had been taught, and they'd come back and got around it again. And uh, this whole thing about principles was illustrated for me recently. For those who are tracking the presentation, it was a picture from a film called Hacksaw Ridge, uh, which features, uh, it's a story about a man called Corporal Desmond Doss, and that's a scene from the film. I'm going to put up a picture of the man himself. Um, Desmond Doss was a conscientious objector. What the heck? This shouldn't be happening. <laughs> Deary me. Courtney, I'm just going to ask you to do the thing, okay? He was a conscientious objector, um, and he, he wouldn't even hold a weapon. He wouldn't touch a weapon. But, the, but he was also a man of integrity. He couldn't stand back and watch his friends go to war while he just sat back at home. He said, if my chums are going to war, I'm going to war as well. But I can't hold a weapon. He was a conscientious objector. And there was a documentary made about his life entitled that, and this film called Hacksaw Ridge. And if you watch the film, I've actually read the stories of Desmond Doss, and the film is very true uh, to the stories. And that during the Battle of Okinawa, he saved the lives of around 75 men. He was unarmed, he was under fire, and he prayed to God, just give me the strength to get one more. And he would go back into the midst of the battlefield and he would pull somebody out and he would have to get them down this massive cliff. That cliff that you see in the film, that is what happened. And he would go back and he would say, just one more. And he'd go back into the, the thick of the battle and he would rescue one more person. And he was the, the first person in American history to be awarded the Medal of Honor without firing a shot. Just give me one more person. One more person. And do you know what it made me think about? It made me think about us. How are we living our lives? If you're a Christian in this place today, how are you living your life? Just one more person. One more soul that needs saved one more person that needs rescued from the battlefield. One more person. One more person. This is why Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will be done, but yours. Luke chapter 22. Why? Because he saw the one more person that needed rescued. Because these young men stuck to their conviction, a whole nation saw the power of God at work. If you are prepared to be, to stick to your convictions, then who knows what people will see in your life. Next slide, please, Courtney. The last thing that I'm going to come to is courage. And I don't know who said this because there's so many different versions of this quote. But courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else, else is more important than fear. Daniel was told not to fear. Joshua was told to be strong and courageous. Do you know what encourage means? 
It means to put in courage. To put courage into people's lives. And we're so busy sometimes taking courage out of people and we wonder why they're not getting on. We need to encourage. We need to put courage into people. And Isaiah 41 says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is the one who comes and puts courage into us. God is the one who came and put courage into these three boys as they were about to face what could have been their last moments on planet Earth. And there's two aspects to this. There's the inward courage. And if you can maybe click, please, Courtney. We need to exercise our thoughts and motives to make bold decisions, to make good decisions, and to go through with our decisions regardless of the cost. Did you know that by deciding to go in one particular path, you're immediately excluding yourself from a whole other range of possibilities? By saying to the king, sorry, king, we really like you and all that, but we can't bow down to your statue. We really like the fact that we've got responsibility in your kingdom and you trust us enough to do that, but we can't bow down to your statue. It's an inward courage to make that decision. But we need to stick to our convictions so that it becomes an outward thing. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30 says this, those who honor me, I will honor. Let me challenge you today as you go out into your week, as you go out into your world, to think about this. Those who honor me, I will honor. I had a wee glimpse into what it was like to go to work this week. I had to go into Edinburgh really early on the train. My commute is very, very short. You know, sometimes it's to just go through to the spare room and get my Bible out. But this week on Tuesday, I was out in Edinburgh. Where's GT? Is he here? GT. We met on the train. And I get a wee glimpse into your world, GT, what it's like for you to go to work, to get up early, to go to work on the train, to come back in a busy train. And by the way, why do we have to pay the highest prices to stand on the train on the way home? Because it's so busy. How does that work? I got a little glimpse into what it was like. Because it's been a long time since I did kind of like that type of work where you had to go on the train and do all those types of things. A little glimpse into what it's like to get up and to rush into your day and to get on a train and it's busy and you're trying to read your notes before your meeting and do all these kind of things. And I'm sitting there trying to read my Bible and GTA's sitting next to me and it was really cool. I loved that. I thought it was great. <laughs> And, and meeting GT's friend Tayo. Uh, it's just, it was, I mean, there's something in that that I just found really wholesome. And I thought about the courage of our convictions to actually be who God calls us to be in this world that we go into every week. Your world, my world, the people that you come into contact with, just one more person, that one more person that you come into contact with this week who needs to have somebody come and put courage into their heart. Somebody who needs to hear that there is a God who loves them 
and a God who says, don't worship all that stuff, because that's just, you're wasting your time with that stuff. A God who says, this is the best way. In you come. I'll take the smell of smoke off you. I'll wash you clean. I'll give you a robe of righteousness. I'll make you a new person. You know, we can do all sorts of things in our lives, and we need to really draw us to a close. These boys didn't see the end of the story when they made this decision. We've got the, the advantage of hindsight and looking back on it, but these boys didn't see the end of the story. However, there is a Savior who did see the end of the story, our Jesus that we've celebrated this morning. And Hebrews 12, 2 says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, who for the joy set before him. Can I encourage you folks, if you're going through the fire just now, if you're kind of thinking, man, this stinks, life stinks just now, and let's be real, because that's what life's like sometimes, we just kind of think, why is this happening? But in the midst of the fire, there is a God who is with us. What did Nebuchadnezzar say? Did Did we only put three people in there? How come there's a fourth person? Do you know that's what will speak to the people who are around us, the just one more person? How can he do that? Is there somebody, where are you getting your strength? Where are you getting your power? What, what's happening in your life that you're able to go through this and still give glory to God? And I know there's loads of people in this fellowship who've been through the fire and your character has been tested. Your courage has been tested. Your convictions have been tested and you have continued to honor God and to worship God and to serve God and you have not given in and you've kept going and you've kept going and you've kept going. And I say, well done. God says, well done. Well done. But you need to keep doing it. Don't give up on doing good because at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up that one person, that just one more person And Isaiah 43, 2 says this, and I'm finishing with these words. Maybe the band could come back up just as we're kind of getting ready to finish. Isaiah 43, 2 says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And I say that to encourage us this morning because that's the reality of life. And God is with us in the midst of the fire. He is with us in the midst of the storm. And God wants to develop character within you. And you'll speak and you will act with conviction. And He will put courage into your heart. And He comes to say to you today that you need to look to Him. Look to Him. Keep looking to Jesus. Maybe we could just bow our heads just for a minute. We're almost finished. I know time has run on. But I just wanted to give a moment. You know, maybe there are some people here today who've, you know, you've never really invited Jesus into your life before. You've never really surrendered to him. And uh, you have had your own convictions, your own beliefs. 
And just as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to just give you the opportunity to respond to Jesus today. He has given everything for you. He has given everything for you. He gave his very life for you. It was the why behind the what of his life. You were that why behind the what of his life. And today, if you have never made that decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to just ask that you pop your hand up and uh, I'll see it and we'll pray for you and chat with you at the end. Maybe you are that person and you've not made that decision and you know you just kind of feel what God is saying in your heart just now, this is the day, this is the time. Just if that's you, then just pop your hand up uh, quickly, put it back down again and I'll see it. Maybe you're here today and you are going through the fire or you've been through the fire and, you know, maybe you just need to experience God's presence and God's love today. And I just want to, to pray. And, you know, if, if, you need, if you need prayer, then just reach out to God just now. I'm going to pray and uh, pray for everyone who's going through or has been through the fire. I'm going to pray for Heather Gibb, who's uh, Uncle Sandy, who's been like a brother to her. Who's, we just heard that he had passed away this morning. I'm going to pray for Heather. And if there's anybody else you want me to include you in a prayer, then just pop your hand up. If you want me to include you in a prayer, if you're going through the fire or you've been through the fire and you just want me to pray for you as well, pop your hand up. Let me see. And we'll pray for you as well. It's fine. Father, we just thank you for those who have responded today. And Lord, we ask that in the fire that they would experience your presence. <laughs> Father, that you would stand right next to them in that situation. Father, your word says that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. That you're always with us. Father, that your mercies are new every morning. And Father, we pray for everyone who has responded today. Father, we pray that you would just draw alongside. Father, that you would put something into their lives, even this, in this moment, Father, that you would drop courage into their hearts. Father, maybe it's somebody who needs a very specific thing, and Lord, I ask that you would just demonstrate your power in that situation. Father, that you would do what is needed in that situation. Father, I pray for everyone who has responded today. Lord, I ask that they would know a real deep sense of your peace in that situation. Father, whatever it is, Lord, that they would know your peace. Father, that they would know that you are with them, that your heart is for them. And Father, we just thank you for your grace and for your goodness. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you have showered upon us this week. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you would strengthen us. Father, we pray, oh Lord, we pray particularly for Heather and for our Auntie Cathy. Lord, we ask that they would know your presence in such a strong way at this time. Uh, Father, may they just be so aware of your presence. 
may they just feel you like, like just putting your arms around about them, Father, that they would feel the, that love of God uh, surrounding them. And Father, we just pray your protection over them, over their minds, over their bodies, over their spirits. Father, the whole person, we just pray your protection. Lord, for each of us, and Father, we've all been through difficulties. We've all been through the fire. We can all talk about times where our faith has been tested, our character, our integrity has been tested, our motivations, our intent has been tested. Father, times where our convictions have been tested, our courage has been tested, and Lord, we just thank you that we're still here. We're still praising you, and Father, giving you all the glory that is due to your name. And so, Father, we just give ourselves to you as we go into this week. Lord, that we would know your presence, that we would know your peace. And uh, Father, we just pray that you take us out of here with a song in our hearts, knowing that you're with us in every situation. And Lord, we pray that even in the midst of the situation, that you would uh, turn us around to praise you in that situation and give you thanks. Lord, in every circumstance, give thanks because this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. So Lord, we just ask that you do these things for your glory and that you build your church. In Jesus' name, amen.